Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I, uh, oh, I, I would um, love, <clears throat> dearly love, to uh, be able to preach you a masterpiece tonight. And uh, would dearly love to be able to teach probably something new. But uh, I just work here at best. So uh, the essence of teaching is repetition. So uh, some of you might have heard this before. Others uh, may not, but um, it's always been my observation that even when the Lord repeats something, that it's never repeated exactly the same way. So um, uh, I would just ask that if you, when you hear this title, that maybe you if you've heard it before, don't turn off the, turn the volume off and uh, start figuring out what your after church snack is going to be. Amen. God is good, isn't he? But, um, amen. God is good. <clears throat> if you have a Bible, uh, like take text this evening from Psalms chapter one thirty three, <clears throat> and. Um, You're a guest here tonight. I don't see any guests, but if you are, it is wonderful to have you here. And if you're joining us by the internet, web, thankful to have you in service with us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. It's wonderful. Don't get to do it very often, but it's very wonderful to be able to minister to uh, minister with my wife. It's a great blessing. Amen. I. Uh, it's it's a lot easier to preach or teach uh, when she worship, leads worship beforehand. So, uh, Amen. Psalms 133 uh, says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And <clears throat> verse 2 says, It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even... Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon or Hermon or whatever your Hebrew pronunciation of that is, uh, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. And uh, for the next little bit, I want to talk to you about the law of flow. The law of flow. Be seated. Um, So, uh, generally for me, uh, the way that things go is that uh, any, uh, let's just say, deeper revelation that God uh, gives to me or brings about uh, is not an overnight thing. I very... uh, I very rarely in just life kind of pass by, you know, something or whatever or read a sign or somebody says something to me and I, whoa, hey, you know. Uh, generally, it's uh, out of tragedy or uh, it's uh, very early in the morning that the Lord will speak something and then over time, uh, he'll just add a little bit, add a little bit and... Uh, 
I'll mess around with it in the Bible a little bit, you know, run a concordance here or there. And the next thing you know, spirit of revelation comes on and it's like, whoa, wait a second. I didn't, I didn't realize, I didn't realize that scripture right there was talking about that. Uh, Maybe it's different for you. Maybe you just read it and you have all knowledge and and uh, everything just opens right up. And uh, if that's the case, God bless you. Please keep it to yourself so that uh, you make it out of here alive so the rest of us don't bludgeon you with our Bible. <clears throat> but uh, so this particular, uh, this particular topic... Uh, is probably a 14-year study for me um, over time. And um, it started when uh, I was youth pastoring, and uh, it actually started uh, right after we had our first big breakthrough of praying people through to the Holy Ghost at Anne Arundel Community College, uh, which for those of you that don't know, that was actually the first college campus ministry, apostolic college campus ministry in the state of Maryland. Um, I'm not sure when that was exactly. 2004, I believe, is when we started that. Uh, but the first big break uh, was that we, in one semester, we prayed about 40 students through uh, in that. And so I was... Uh, in that time period, you know, I was on a real, I mean, that's kind of a high. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't y'all be? Okay. All right. I, I didn't. Okay. And uh, the Lord began to deal with me about why it was happening because there wasn't really anything different uh, that we were doing. It was just all of a sudden people were showing up. And uh, it was really, really easy for them to get the Holy Ghost. I mean, you could have. I could have preached a nursery rhyme, and, uh, you know, a couple people could have got the Holy Ghost. So, out of all of that, I, I want to share a few thoughts uh, with you that, uh, that the Lord gave me during that time period. And uh, in order to do that, what I want to do is I want to kind of start at the bookends here uh, this evening. Uh, and I want to start at verse 1, and then I want to cover uh, the end of verse 3. So uh, verse 1 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And uh, this concept of uh, unity is mostly misunderstood in, uh, just in general, uh, especially these days. Uh, unity, if you, if you break back down into the Hebrew... Uh, unity is really talking about the assembling together and and pulling in an additive or cumulative effect everyone together. Meaning that if uh, come here, Billiam. So uh, me, meaning that that I'm I'm me and I've got my I've I've got what you know the Lord does with me. He's Him, and and He and apart He can do His deal. I can do my deal, but together we do something more than what us in, than what individually we can do, because we are dwelling together in unity. Amen. Whereas in in unity, uh, what a lot of people think is is that is that we got to look 
exactly. He's got to shrink about six inches, or I got to grow three. He's got to shrink three, and uh, he's gonna have to lighten up. I'm gonna have, to, I don't know, darken up, because if you're if you're truly unified, you everybody's got to be the same. Thank you, sir. And so, the 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 diversity of giftings, diversity of ministries bringing all of those together to where that they operate in unison, or as the the Bible actually says, in symphony. That, uh, That when we come together and we operate in symphony, that that actually is what unit is, what unity is really about. Amen. Now, here is the misconception, is that most people think of unity in terms of horizontal. In that if we all come together and we get shoulder to shoulder, then we can be in unity. But the reality of it is, is that biblical unity is about vertical alignment. I'll say that again. Biblical unity is about vertical alignment in that it doesn't matter how close that I get to you, but if I, but what really is unity, the place of unity where brethren dwell in unity and how good and how pleasant it is so that there's no, there's no rubbing up. There's no, you know, we're going to use the patio on Friday night, but now the youth want to use the patio on Friday night. And there's all this friction and rubbing and because, you know, every ministry wants to get what they need for their ministry. <clears throat> but biblical unity is, is when I come into alignment vertically with those that are above me. And so I am assembling together, not horizontally, but I'm assembling together vertically. Because in God's eyes, God is looking down. Amen. And I'll prove that to you here in just a second. <laughs> so when we talk about unity, when, when the scripture psalmist is talking about unity, he's actually talking about coming into alignment, into vertical alignment. Now, <clears throat> it's important to know that uh, the book of Psalms is not just 150 scratchings on the back of a napkin that someone pulled together. <clears throat> Amen. Uh, the book of Psalms is, is broken up into different parts. And Psalm 133 is actually uh, the part of the book of Psalms that is called the Songs of Ascent or Ascending Vertically. And there are 15 of these psalms, and I think that, I think it starts in 120 uh, and ends in 135. Somebody do some math real quick. That's 15, right? I'm from Arkansas, so I had to do some shoe, take some shoes off to go past nine. That was funny. Uh, so these, if you look at these, these 15 psalms, each one of them has a particular topic about them. Some of them are talking about... Uh, the humility of a man and the, how a humbled heart, what it actually does. But this is symbolic because there are 15 steps in the temple. 
So what this is talking about are the songs of ascent is each one of these uh, songs here or psalms actually speaks to how we are to rise vertically from where we are living to go into the presence of God. <laughs> so when we're talking about unity, what God is talking about is how that at the very end of this, that you are to rise or to ascend into his presence to where that you can actually get in unity with not only those that are around you, but with God. Amen. Now, <clears throat> that's all good and well, right? But uh, let's talk for just a second, I guess, about the, the, the third verse there, right? So we're talking about the bookends, unity. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And then there's two particular things that it talks about. It says, it is like, meaning about unity, dwelling together in unity. And then it says, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. So in unity, for there, it's not talking, it's not referring to the mountains of Zion. It's actually referring to unity. Meaning that when we get into unity, when we get into alignment with those that are around us, and we get into alignment with God, it is there that God commands the blessing. Now, you might ask, why is that important? Brother Spriggs asked me, why is that important? That's a good question, brother. <clears throat> well, don't you want to be blessed by God? Amen. I want to be blessed by God. But this particular Hebrew word is uh, pretty unique. And I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but if you go to the slide, you see that it's, uh, it's Strong's 1293. And uh, it basically means a benediction. And the first place that you find this Hebrew word, no, that's like three, si three slides. There we go. So the first place that you find this word is referring to Abraham's blessing, the blessing that God extended upon Abraham. So when the psalmist is, is talking about unity and what happens when we come into unity and it's there that God commands, he doesn't wish it, he doesn't think it, he doesn't think that it's a good idea, but when we get into unity, God commands the blessing of Abraham, even life evermore, to be there when we are in unity with him. I, I personally, I want to see the blessing of Abraham upon my, upon my life, upon my family's life, upon your life. Amen. That's a that's a good thing. So if you if you follow this out into the New Testament and talk about blessing, please don't hang up. The next slide. Have you got control of my iPad? There we go. If you go to Galatians chapter three. And uh, verse 13, 
Let's talk about the blessing of Abraham. So the, the Bible says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, be, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. And here is why God became a curse for us, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So what is this blessing? This blessing is, uh, this blessing is the promise of this, of the Spirit of God coming upon us. So if you look at the New Testament Greek word, you'll find that this is eulogy, is what it's actually transliterated. And it means to be fine speaking. And so you might think, well, boy, that's really good. I'd love for Jesus to give me a benediction or to give me a eulogy, right? But let's actually break down what that word is. So this word is a compound word that makes up two, two different words, two different Greek words. And the, the first or the last one is logos. That's, that's part of eulogy, is the logos, the plan of God, the word of God. And the next Greek word that's part of that is this 2095 that is well or well done. So when you talk about the eulogy or the blessing of Abraham, what it's actually talking about is it's talking about the logos, the plan of God, and how it is well done. It is the end of what you are doing. That's It's the same Greek word in uh, Matthew chapter 25 that says, His Lord said unto him, Well done. The done is actually added there. Well, good and faithful servant. I want to be called a good and faithful servant. Amen, don't you? Well, you need to get into unity. Because that's where God commands this blessing. So when this blessing is actually the, the well-done part of God's logos for you. So the entirety of the plan of God enacted through you is this blessing. And when you begin into contact and alignment with God, that, that is the place when you get into unity with God that He commands this blessing to flow through you. So I told you how all this came about was, was that it was like, Lord, how in the world are all these people getting the Holy Ghost? Cause we're not, you know, I mean, we're not doing anything different. We're praying the same. We're fasting the same. <coughs> I'm preaching the same things. I'm teaching the same things. We're witnessing all the time, but all of a sudden it's just wham. You know, we got under the spout where the glory comes out. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, you have finally gotten into alignment, vertical alignment with me. And now I can bless. And there is a reason that God requires vertical alignment for that blessing to flow. And we'll talk about that in just a second. (laughs) 
So here it is that that's what this blessing actually is, is that when we come into unity, that is where God can move through us and we can still be saved. Because when we are in vertical alignment, He gets all the glory. But when we're messed up in our own little, you know, outside of what's supposed to be going on and something flows through you, well, I mean, you're just like me, Ian. First thing you do is, what you see what you see what Jesus did through me, my Lord. Boy, I was preaching good then, wasn't I? That's powerful because you're not in alignment. But when you're in alignment, everything points to Him because you can see exactly the source that's coming down. So this vertical alignment. Let's look at the examples that God gives here. He says. It in verse 2, he says, It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. The Bible says that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And there are three witnesses that are in, as a part of this scripture that establish this word. The first witness is, the oil. The second witness is the water that, that flowed down out off of the dew that flowed down off of uh, Mount Hermon. And the third witness is, is that we know that water on its own always seeks its lowest level. You'd never pour out water and it run uphill. Ever. So the way that, the way that we know that God is talking about vertical alignment here in this scripture is, is that it is part of the songs of ascent, of going into the temple. But then the examples that God gives, everything is flowing down. It's flowing down. Nothing flows up. So when we talk about oil, oil is, is symbolic of anointing, symbolic of power. And so when the scripture talks about and gives this example that this unity, unity is like, remember we're not talking about oil, but unity is like the oil that flowed out and it went upon Aaron's head was the first place that it went. So the reality of is, is that the oil was poured on the head, the place of power. And that oil is symbolic. Power is the ability or the capacity to perform an action or to accomplish something. So the oil, which is symbolic of the power, goes upon the head, but then it runs down to the beard. And the reason that it runs down to the beard is, is that that is the place of authority. So every, in, in, in most, uh, Mideastern cultures, the longer the beard, the more elder the person is. And so what, what the, what the, uh, symbology here, symbolism here is, is that as the oil flows down and it gets to the place of authority, Meaning, I believe, therefore, I have spoken that it gets to the place of the, of authority. 
it flows from the elders in spoken form. Now, I, here's, here's the thing. Apostolic authority always happens in this manner. Those that are in authority speak, and those that are submitted do. And if you ever get that messed up and tangled up, your puppy is going to have kittens real quick. Because that's not how apostolic authority works. Those that are in authority speak. Those that are under authority do. Matter of fact, the centurion came to Jesus and said, Hey, I got people back at the house that are sick. And, and Jesus said, Okay, well, let's load up and we'll go. And he said, Whoa, 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 whoa. I am a man under authority. Matter of fact, in Luke, he says it like this, I'm, I'm likewise, meaning I'm the same as you. I'm under authority. And the man Christ Jesus was under authority. And this is what he says, I'm under authority. I say to one, go. And he goes. I say to another one, come. And he comes. So apostolic authority always always happens exactly like that. Those that are in authority say, go. And we go. Those that are submitted, apostolic authority says, well, you've been there too long. Come back over here. (laughs) And those that are submitted, that are in unity, come back over here. And how good and how pleasant it is. For brethren to dwell in unity when your covering can speak and say, no, I just don't think that that's going to happen. Because you've got that place of covering. You've got that boundary. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tell you a real quick story. Uh, so th- the book says that offenses must come, right? Not maybe, but they must come. Well, why in the world what must offenses come? The reality of it is, is that no person in this place knows your heart. But you want to find out what's in your heart? Let somebody offend you. Whatever's on the inside will come right out. And the only way that you ever find out whether you're truly submitted or not and in in alignment and unity is when you get offended with those that you're supposed to be vertically aligned with. Oh, Jesus, this this is 14 out of 15 steps, and he's talking about in all of this, to be able to get into the presence of God, that you've got to come into alignment, and that alignment means that you've got to submit and stay submitted. I'll tell you, I I won't uh, tell you the details, but I'll tell you probably one of the most trying times of my life was uh, sometime between today 
And when Moby Dick was a minnow, uh, I thought that I had, I didn't think, I knew that I had heard from God. You, you ever heard from God? You sure? You sure? Okay. You think so. You, you know so. You know so. Okay. <clears throat> well, I knew so too. <laughs> and, uh, I sent Bishop a text, said, hey, I, you know, uh, get a second. I, I need to come see you. He said, I've been waiting on you. Come on over to the house. <clears throat> now, I'm going to tell you right now, okay? <laughs> There's a difference between meeting in the office up here and meeting over at the parsonage. <clears throat> and if you ever get called to the parsonage, it's a long ride over there uh, because something's about to change. <laughs> mainly with you. <laughs> so I walk in. Hey, how's it going? You know, yada, yada, yada. What are you feeling? You know, I said, well, thus and so. And uh, he said, so and thus. You, you get the interpretation of that? Well, I, I said, this is what the Lord said. And he said, well, this is what you're about to do. I'm being, I'm being real with you. Now, you want to get shook to the core. Think you got a word. But then know you got a word that God has spoken to you that you're supposed to do this. <clears throat> and go to your authority and say, this is what I feel like the Lord said to do. And they say, well, no, this is what the, the Lord told me to do this right, that you are going to do this right here. And it's the complete opposite. I promise you, you've ne- you will never be shaken to your core until that happens to you. Because eventually you're going to get around to, well, my God, can I hear from God at all? Do I even know what the voice of God sounds like? We just prayed a couple of hundred people through in campus ministry. Youth, youth ministry is booming. And, I mean, what in the world? And it will shake you to the place to where that you just, you have no idea. Offenses must come because only in that situation can you truly say, Lord, I know that you said that away, but I'm going this way. Give you a little example here. I I know I'm off on a rabbit trail, and I'm kind of slowed down here a little bit, but just just appease me for a moment. There's a mama, couldn't have kids, and uh, she prayed. She said, Lord, if you just give me kids, I'll, I'll... you give me a boy, I'll take that boy and I'll give him back to you. <clears throat> so she has a baby. Mama brings a baby back, hands him over to the temple. Eli, the priest, maybe you've heard of the story. A little boy grows up, and uh, in the, the Bible it says, and at the time that he was in the temple that there was no open vision meaning that God wasn't speaking. And about the time that he spoke, that 
that he that all of this happened. He was about eight years old, eight to ten by most scholars. He's living in the temple. Now, just think about that for just a moment. The temple is not like your house. Animals are being killed. It's dark. It's probably a pretty scary place, especially for an eight- or nine-year-old. This kid's laying in bed, and all of a sudden, something speaks out of the dark. Like, whoa. He gets up, goes into where Eli says, uh, did you call for him? No, I didn't call for you. Go back to bed, boy. Goes in, goes back to bed. Hear the voice again. Gets up. Did you call for me? No, I didn't call for you. Go back to bed. Happens one more time, I think. Eli finally figures out. He says, I think that's the voice of the Lord. Next time that happens, say, Lord, here I here I am I. He does that, and sure enough, it's it's the voice of God. I got a question for you. In fact, I'll pose you the same question that the Holy Ghost posed me. What causes an eight-year-old boy in the dark, in a scary place like the temple, when a voice speaks to him to get up and to go to Eli? And the answer is, is that the voice of God sounded exactly, exactly like the man of God in his life. That's the only reason that he went in and said, Eli, did you call for me? Because it was the voice of the Lord. And it sounded exactly the same. So when this oil flows down through this beard of elders and it exercises the place of authority, everything inside of you, it shouldn't, it, it shouldn't matter what you've got up until the point that that comes out. shouldn't matter to you what God, but even if there's an offense, you look at it and say, hey, that's the voice of God right there. And that's how you know that you're in alignment. So here's this example that it's moving down. It's moving down the oil of power, anointing. is moving down from the place of anointing, power. It's moving through the place of authority. And finally, it's moving to the skirts of his garment, which is the place that, it, it, that we reproduce. And that's where dominion is established. And I don't have time tonight to go into... Uh, dominion, but uh, suffices to say that dominion is the place to where that the king's rule, it results in the king's rule being administered in the kingdom or the establishment of the kingdom. So what oil does is that it flows down from the head vertically in alignment speaks to us, we do, and when we do, what we're doing establishes dominion. It establishes a legacy of what we are reproducing, of when we pray someone through, when we teach them a Bible study, that what's flowing through the, flowing to them, through me, to them, is the same thing that flowed to me and through me. And that's how dominion is actually established. So we have this witness of the oil, that it is symbolic of power, anointing, and authority. But then we have this other witness, and that is the dew of Hermon. And uh, I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit. So dew is created... When the ground 
becomes colder than the air that is directly above it. And in most, most cases, it's considered to be the night rain. And uh, Mount Hermon is unique in that Mount Hermon is the tallest spot in Israel. And it is also the most northern spot in Israel. That's the mountain there. Two-thirds of the year, it's actually covered in snow. Anybody ever heard of the Jordan River? The main source of the waters of the Jordan River come from that mountain right there. The most northern place, the tallest place in Israel, in the darkness of night, there is enough water, Andrew, that flows from that mountain to where that it feeds the Jordan River. This mountain is actually considered to be, uh, most people refer to it as either the sanctuary or the mountain of the elders. So this dew that is from this mountain flows into the Jordan. It's, it's one of the four sources of the, the uh, head springs of the Jordan River. And that flows into the Sea of Galilee. So the place in Israel that has the most life in it, Andrew, that is teeming with the most life, that is all fed from the dew that flows down from the mountain of the elders. Now the interesting thing of that is, is that that same water then flows from the Sea of Galilee and it descends another 1,292 feet into a place called the Dead Sea. And the only difference between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea is that in the Dead Sea, there's no outflow. There's no downward alignment. So the place where life is, there is a flow in, And there is a flow out. And the place where things die is that there is only a flow in. Now, why is that important? Why is it, I just, you know, my mind's kind of, y'all that know me really well, my mind, I I can think of some crazy questions sometimes, right? Why do you think that the Lord would use both oil and water in this particular scripture. He's talking about alignment. He's talking about authority. He's talking about covering. And we know that oil is symbolic of power, but we also know that water is symbolic of washing and forgiveness. So in this analogy, Brother Spriggs, What God is talking about is that when we get into alignment and we get into a place that we are supposed to be in God, that there should be as much or more forgiveness that flows in our life as power and authority 
and anointing. And the place where you die is when people start forgiving you, but you don't forgive anyone. Now, here is the deal. And I've, I've, I've come a long way to catch you on a couple of points here, right? Is that it all flows down. It's in alignment. I have often wondered how in the world, Brother Barr, it is that people that have been mightily used of God, mightily used of God, I mean just could pray heaven down. And then you turn around a month later or six months later or a year, and they're nowhere to be found. Or even worse, they're, they're off preaching a perverted gospel. Y'all ever wonder about that? Let me tell you the answer that the Lord gave me one time. Is that it's always comes down to forgiveness. And what happens is, is that when a person gets more anointing flowing in their life than they've got forgiveness, and they step out of alignment with what's supposed to be flowing down from them. And the scripture says in the Old Testament that Lucifer, the devil, that he is the anointed cherub, one that covereth. And what happens is, is that when you get out of alignment from God, Lucifer steps in, and Lucifer knows exactly what anointing and oil smells like, feels like, tastes like, And he comes in and God sends a strong delusion. So much so that you would believe a lie. And all of a sudden you step outside of alignment, of unity with God. And you have no idea that you have moved from one covering to another covering. Because he can imitate anointing. Because he is the anointed cherub that covereth. I had a young man come to me one time. Let's just say that it was between now and Moby Dick was a minnow, right? We've already gone there. And uh, some things were going really well in ministry that he was leading. He's like, Brother Mott, you know, man, how, how do you think things are going? I was like, well, you know, okay. You know, trying to be noncommittal or whatever. And, uh, so he just keeps going. And I said, well, brother, I said, you want to know the truth? I said, you, I'll, I'll tell you exactly how things are going. I said, you tell me how much forgiveness you got flowing in your life. And he went, forgiveness? What do I need, what do I need, what do I need to be forgiven? I said, no, 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 no. Not what you need to be forgiven of. When's the last time you forgave someone? Or something. Because you want to know how you're doing maturing wise? Just ask that question. Because the one thing that Lucifer can't imitate and that he can't do is forgive. Because he is the accuser of the brethren. So if you ever want to know to be able to test whether you are under the right covering or not, 
just let an offense come along, and it'll tell you whether you're in alignment or not, what you've got flowing in your life, what your source of power is, what your source of anointing is, whether it's you or whether it's God, whether it's your own efforts or whether it's God. You want to know that? You got forgiveness in your life? Do you forgive easily? Do you give people the benefit of the doubt? When something comes along, do you first say, now that that couldn't be that? Or do you immediately jump to something and go, well, you know what? I'm just not going, I'm just not going to talk to them anymore. Can you believe? And you pick the phone up. Hey, help me pray about this. Such and so, so did so. And what you, what you then begin to do is wag your tongue, which should be a place of authority. And you begin to murder your brother because you won't let forgiveness and you begin to trespass and transduce and do the work of the devil of Lucifer, of what he is the accuser of the brethren. And when you step, my God, when you step out from underneath the covering of God and you begin to do the work of the devil instead of the work of God, that's when you know. When you start murdering your brother and accusing your brother and and doing going behind their back and talking about them, you are doing what should be flowing through you to establish authority, to establish a blessing, to establish dominion, and you are murdering your brother. Glory. Because he, Lucifer, he is the anointed cherub that covereth. And his subtlety, what he wants to do is to not change what you're doing. He just wants to change the source of how you're doing it. He doesn't want you to do anything different. He just wants your source to be different. That's all he's wanting to do. I'll close with this real quickly about authority and speaking. I don't have, I'm, I'm going I'm to clip the cliff notes, the high notes, okay? <clears throat> but uh, dominion occurs when things are divided. And there is space that is created that God inhabits. Let me give you a couple of examples. Creation, God divided. Light from day, he divided about six things. And then after that, he made, he created all the environment and then he established dominion and gave it to Adam. And he told Adam to exercise dominion. What did he tell him to do? You name the animals. You come, he comes by, you got dominion over. You tell them exactly what they are. Another example. When Abraham, uh, the blessing of Abraham came down, uh, w- was bestowed upon him. These Genesis 12. And the book says that, that he parted. He made, he, he was instruct, instructed to uh, sacrifice and he parted certain animals and set them, uh, on the sides. And what that actually is, if you go back and study that, that is a that is a mid mid eastern cultural brother Kimball uh, covenant, and what it is a it's a vassal and I can't remember the the other part of it, but it's a vassal type uh, covenant, and basically it is between a king 
and a conquered king. And what happens is, is that when those in uh, olden times, they would go to war, and whoever the conquering king would, was, when they got done with that, Brother Bray, they would line up the dead of that battle on the ends, and they would draw up the territory. They would establish dominion, Tony Lewis, and the king that had conquered would walk through those pieces with the, with the uh, conquered king, and he would make this statement. We've, we've done all of this. Let what has happened on these men come upon me if I cross this boundary that we've, that we've established here. So in that covenant, what God was doing was, when those pieces were divided, was that the conquering king was walking down through those pieces. And he basically was saying was, is that if the blessing of Abraham is not poured out, I'm not God. Because he was establishing that, that, that dominion. Now roll that forward, and here's what that means in the New Testament is that when we, when we come together, we're together and God's in the middle and we establish that dominion. But more so than that, on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that they were gathered together, all gathered together, one mind, one accord. And then it makes this statement in Acts chapter 2. It says, uh, and, and uh, there came a sound from heaven like as of a rushing mighty wind. And it set upon each of them, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as a fire. Anybody ever studied the Greek word out for cloven? It means divided. And when you receive the Holy Ghost, what happened is, is that the Spirit of God, the conquering king, walked right down the middle of those two pieces of your flesh, because the tongue is the most unruly member. And when you crucified that, the conquering king, the Spirit of God, walked down through that tongue and established dominion. So when you want to know what's going on when you are exercising authority and speaking the kingdom of God, what you're doing is you are establishing dominion by the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has put in you, activating through you. So when you take the the vehicle that God defined and established to be able to establish dominion, and you begin to murder your brother with it, and wag your tongue, or even worse, murder your leadership, because offenses must come, then what you are doing is, you are taking the very thing that God established to be the vehicle where he would where he would put dominion in the land and you are switching the source from God to Lucifer so the answer is why does God use two things that are so dis- oil and water don't mix but they flow the same way down and if you've got power and authority, and anointing operating in your life. That's great. But it is probably the most dangerous condition that any Christian can have in their life if there is no forgiveness flowing in your life to be able to offset the power. 
Let's stand together. The law of flow. The law of flow. Can we just pray for a moment? Jesus' name. Father, I pray that the spirit of revelation would move in this place, God. God, I pray that, uh, that when offenses come, Jesus, that we would be able to know that it is you working and proving what is in our hearts and minds, God, that we might be saved. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Father, for this contrast of oil and water, for this psalm that you have given us, this psalm of ascent leading our way into your presence, God, into your temple, into your place of sanctuary, of habitation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your word, that it's a light, that it's a guide. God, that we can always be sure that we are connected and aligned with you through our leadership, that those that are above us, Lord. God, let us be quick to forgive, Father, that as you are quick to forgive, your word declares that if we're if we confess that you are faithful to forgive us, Lord, that as soon as we confess that we are wrong, that your word declares that you forgive us. God, let us be as swift in forgiveness as you are, Father. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Father, let our words be yea and amen. Let our words and our prayers be used to establish your kingdom, your dominion, your authority. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray that you would set a guard at the gate of our ears, Lord. That everyone that's under the sound of my voice, Father, that if we hear ourselves speak ill, of those of our brethren. Speak ill of those that are in leadership. God, prompt us with this word, Lord, and let us be quick to ask for forgiveness and let forgiveness flow that we can be in unity. Father, we want the blessing to be commanded. Keep us in unity. Keep us in unity. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, unify us, God. Command your blessing among your people, God. That we could see your wondrous works, God. That we would give you all the glory. That none would be kept to us. That none would be kept to the name of Antioch. But it would all be for the glory of Jesus. To the glory of God. Who rules and reigns has dominion forever. In the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. God bless you. Thank you so much for indulging me on a Thursday evening. Pray that the blessings of the Lord be upon you. And uh, walk in some authority. Amen. Walk in some authority. Tell some witness to some people. Tell some people how good God is and what he's done for you. And let's have a tremendous weekend. See people filled with the Holy Ghost. Signs, miracles, wonders.
He gets all the glory. Amen. God bless you. Jesus' name.